Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Tugra, the Mariners' centre of excellence. And directly in front of us, we're watching the A-League women uh, going through their coaching session this morning with Peter Preston, their head coach, and uh, looking forward to speaking to him in our first hour of the show this morning. Women's football, it is absolutely massive, and the Mariners have got a franchise in 2023. Uh, alongside me, Michael Butner, former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep, the pride of Parramatta mm. on a couple of occasions, and also the North Sydney Bears, the West Tigers. Michael, good morning, and as we come to you live this morning, what about the Telegraph? Front page is Tim Payne. Back page is Gus Gould apologising because uh, they've signed another Penrith Panther. Can you believe Viliami Kikau in the Bulldogs' colours uh, for next season? What is happening? The world has been turned upside down. Yeah, it has, Stephen. Good morning to you and the listeners. But, um, you know, really disappointing just to see the Tim Payne, you know, headlines. Like, you know, obviously he's clearly done something wrong and, I get all that, but this is four years ago, and you know, I, I, the timing couldn't have been any worse. Oop, the timing couldn't have been any worse, and um, from that end, I just, you know what, it just. There's times here where I think about what the media, what they're getting out of this, apart from bloody headlines, and you know, to bring this guy down, and not only to bring him down, but also, you know. They could well destroy a family here and things like that. And I just don't think at times the media think about what the implications are. Um, and again, I'm not condoning what he did or anything like that, but I just, the timing just, you know, baffles me. And as for Viliami Kikau, look, <laughs> again, here we go, mate, with social media. Social media, we've seen it with, you know, the Adam Elliott thing as well, where people are trying to capture these guys and. <laughs> You know what? For what? Like, you know what? He's he signed with the dogs. That's okay. Like, you know what? He's going to be wearing their gear at some stage. I don't see what the big deal is. And, you know, the media will, you know, make a deal of it saying, you know, Viliami Kikau is caught smiling, you know, in the blue and white. But who cares? All right. That's the dirty laundry for this morning. So front and back page is the bad news about sport. But let's concentrate on what's great mm. about sport. The A-League season is underway. And last night, Melbourne City winners against Brisbane 2-1, although a dubious no-goal late in the match. We got some see that. We've got some highlights. We'll roll in right now, and then we'll go to Mariners legend Adam Kwasnick, who's waiting on the line. So this is the highlights from SEN last night, the A-League opener. Metcalf. Whips the crossing, McLaren with the shot, oh, save, and on the rebound, Curtis Goods, 1-0 Melbourne City. Happened in a flash, the cross came in, McLaren's left-footed hook shot, saved initially by the goalkeeper, but he couldn't hold it, and the rebound fell to the big centre-half, Curtis Goods. Good ball. Hooked back in by Jamison, 
Controlled down by Metcalf, who takes it on the edge of the box, trying to open up a yard. Deflected. Flies in the shots. The deflection, 2-0 Melbourne City. Here we go. The deflection, wrong foot of the goalkeeper. Melbourne City double their lead in an instant. Bottom of the centre circle. Played crossfield to Brindle South, who made some ground up on the right wing. Into an attacking area, plays it backwards to O'Shea, who can create Good from ball. here. Lifts it into the back, the header, oh, it's in. Wow. The response from Brisbane, and Luke Ivanovic oh heads in the response. 2-1. Yeah, so there we go. Last night's highlights. 2-1 win for Melbourne City over Brisbane at Amy Park. 17th year of the A-League. And let's go live to an absolute legend. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm moving emotion, Buttes. It's a standing ovation for a Mariners legend, Adam Kwasnick. Good morning, mate. What did you make of the opener, Melbourne City winners, although there was that late offside call uh, and uh, fairly dubious in my opinion, but how did you see it? Yeah, good morning, boys. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good start to the league. Uh, obviously, the champions kicking off in style with a with a two-one win against our Brisbane Raw. Uh, that being said, I thought you know Brisbane uh, did well uh, for large parts of that game. They stuck in there. There's a lot of young players coming through that Warren Moon has blooded over the off season. Um, you know, um, and in the end, three big chances, two big chances, and obviously uh, Melbourne City put two of their chances away and. And that was the game over in, in, a, in a couple of minutes just before half time. Um, how did you see that? The offside. Oh, sorry, Quads. How did you see the offside, yeah. mate? Yeah, mate. If I, if I'm brutally honest, like what what are we doing? Like yeah. let's let's keep the game entertaining. Let's give benefit of the doubt to the attackers. I've always said it. it, it there was nothing in it, um, and that would have you know set up a, a fantastic finish to the game. It wasn't to be. Uh, Brisbane would feel hard done by, but. You know, again, another decision, uh, obviously, through the VAR that, in my eyes, it was the wrong one. Yeah, good call, Quaz, and uh, you need to be brutally honest. And uh, just a reminder, too, mm. SEN, we're calling the match tomorrow, will be in Newcastle oh, yeah. for the derby, derby number 54. And, you know, you're right, Quaz, because maybe offside by a millimetre at best, uh, we don't need to go microscopic on this, do we? No, totally agree, Steve. I think... You know, there's an element of the game where, yeah, okay, if you're a guard or a foot offside that you're about to strike the ball, absolutely, yeah, you need the VAR to go back, have a look, yeah, offside. But when we're talking millimetres, centimetres, even a hand offside, like, I, I don't I don't get it. It, it. it just baffles me. But, um, yeah, can't wait for the derby tomorrow uh, up in Newcastle. What a game it's going to be. I... I know the senior players at the Mariners, they'll, you know, really, they talk to the young players at the start of the week. It's uh, not so much about performance tomorrow, but just going out there, getting the results, starting the season on a high. Um, and it should be a cracker tomorrow afternoon up in Newcastle. Hey, Quaz, these would be the days you really miss football. Right in front of us, so we're in the cabin or the shed or the shack. The hut. The hut. The hut. Uh, right in front of us is the, uh, the A-League women's team. Uh, so many yep. girls out there. What do you think, Butes? Maybe 30 or 40 at least. Yep. And then uh, over the back, the A-League men. Final session before derby number 54 and uh, fan day happening here today. So they're the days that you would really miss as a player, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an opportunity for the, for the players to expose themselves to all the members and the fans that are going to come out there today. And um, obviously it'll be final preps uh, you know, for Nick Montgomery's team before they head into the big game, big round one clash. Um, you know, it's great for the fans to see the centre of excellence. It's obviously obviously started off as just a normal council ground, come such a long way, and you know, there's so much 
potential for that area to be a real football precinct uh, on the central coast. Um, you know, let's hope that, you know, the right people can get there to make the most of it. But a fantastic day for, for players and fans, no question. Yeah, Quaz, you know, it's, and you've been, uh, you know, in this situation on many occasions, you know, uh, at the end of a tough pre-season, you're training and, you know, eventually you get to this point where it's the first game of the season. And, and what better way to kick it off than uh, a local derby? Um, talk us through the mindset going into this local derby because it's irrelevant where the two teams are placed on the table. And obviously being the first game of the year, it's, it is irrelevant because they're sitting on the same spot. But yep. uh, when it comes to derbies, it makes no difference where they're sitting, mate. It is um, always going to be a tough battle. Absolutely. You, you want to start, you know, regardless of who you're playing, you want to start off on the front foot and you want to get a result and build momentum, build confidence. Uh, but with a derby, there's that extra bit of added spice. There's, you know, bragging rights, you know, both both clubs, you know, they're not very fond of each other. You really want to get one up over, over your biggest rivals. And, you know, I think the senior players, they, they address the squad at the start of the week. And I think it's the right mentality. doesn't matter about the performance. You're in, you're in round one. You don't want performing at 100%. But you need to go out there, you know, roll up your sleeves, get down, get dirty and get the result. Um, and if you can do that, obviously, as I said, it builds confidence. Um, and it should set set the season up. Uh, should set the squad up for the rest of the season in a positive manner. I caught up with uh, Nick Montgomery and also Mark Birigitti yesterday for NBN Television, and I tell you, Birigitti, what an impressive character he is. He's just gone from strength to strength in the A League. He actually played with Newcastle, don't forget. Played over seventy matches with the Jets, mm. but he's the joint A League goalkeeper of the year. And with Nick Montgomery, Quaz. Boy, I tell you, if his team's a reflection of his playing style, you're going mm. to see, A, a high work rate, B... Some physicality. Physicality. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, C, just great skill, of course. But, uh, you know, I can't wait to see the Mariners under Nick Montgomery tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, can't wait either, Steve. I think there's got to be a lot of purpose to the Mariners' game. As, as you know, Monty was as a player, there's plenty of purpose, plenty of there and I'm sure he'll get that out of his players and then there needs to be an element of quality to you know in big moments in big games that quality can make a make a big difference as we all know in the A League. Um, I think you know he's you know been restricted with budget but he's rec- recruited quite well. Obviously he's going to give a few of the young boys a go. I'm looking forward to seeing young Jacob Farrell get a go. Uh, obviously I had a bit to do with him when he was a, when a, a little bit younger, but great opportunity for these young players. Uh, I look at a Matt Simon, can he repeat, you know, double-figure goals like he did last year? Um, Maresh, the new signing, can he continue that form that he had in Singapore? Uh, so much to look forward to. Um, can't wait for that game to get started tomorrow afternoon. Cause what I've been impressed with, especially the coverage from Channel 10. Like, and I love, <laughs> I love the promotion of it. Like, you know, the way they've gone about, um, you know, putting the games on free to air. Which we haven't seen for the other. I think it's going to be a lot. Except for last night. Except for last yeah, to night. Yeah, sign up for the subscri- subscription. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? They've showed them, you know, the Matildas, the Socceroos, of you know, and oh, I think it's been really engaging. I think it's a real positive for the game. Yeah, good call. And Simon Hillback, uh, you would have seen last night. He was trending on Twitter, Quaz, because you know, such a top shelf commentator. Mm. He is, mate. And um, not to mention him. There's yourself on radio as well. That I can't wait to call tomorrow. <laughs> The yeah. voice. Yeah. Nice, mate. Hey, uh, 
Can I ask you about the FFA Cup last week in mm. Mudgee? You know, yep. they they say it was maybe the coldest day in Mudgee in November on record. So mm. really difficult conditions. Gale Force Breeze, we kind of dominated the match. Could have won by three or four, but we got the job done. And Encololo with the winner, what a clinical finish that was. Yeah, the Frenchman came up with the goods in the end. Um, look, I thought... You know, leading into this season, without disrespecting the FFA Cup, I thought it was a good game to go into. It was a game with me. Um, and they were coming up a good outfit in, in Blacktown City, a strong MPL club um, in New South Wales. Look, the, the, the performance, you know, wasn't clean. It wasn't perfect. But there was an intent there to, to go out there, put on a good performance and try to at least. And obviously they got the result and they moved to a you know, different kettle of fish now up against the Wollongong Wolves in the round of 16. That's another game for down the track that they have to worry about. But uh, game with meaning, good win, clean sheet, uh, move on and uh, move on to the season. Hey, Quaz, uh, we may leave it there because we've got the head of football alongside us. Ken Shambury. Shambury has joined us. Looking forward to chatting with him in a moment. But unlike Buttes, I mean, are you busy at the moment preparing for tomorrow afternoon's call, Derby number 54? I am, mate. I am preparing. I'm actually calling the game tonight, the Sydney Derby. So I've got a lot on my plate this weekend, um, but I can't get to, to get in the box with the Velvet Voice and uh, call a cracker in the F3 Derby. Hey, yeah, is that alongside Adam Peacock uh, tonight? It will be. Yeah, it will be, steve Yeah, well, just save those dulcet tones because we need you uh, in prime, perfect... Career best form. Yes, absolutely. Tomorrow afternoon. Save it for the Derby. We'll do my best. We'll do my very best, guys. Yeah, another standing O, I think, for an absolute Mariners legend, the great Adam Kwasnick, our first guest this morning. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. I wanted to ask him, too, about Viliami Kikau, but I don't think we could air what his answer would be. Actually, Kwas, you still there? He's just hung up. Beep, oh, yeah. beep, beep. Yeah, he, he would be <laughs> no de- comment. devastated. Uh, Penrith being uh, dismantled. At the moment. How many players have they lost now? Probably four or five from their premiership winning team. We're off to a break. We'll come back in just a moment. We're live from the Mariners Family Day, which technically gets underway at 10 o'clock this morning. This is SEN, Saturdays on the Coast. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from the Mariners Family Day, which gets underway in around about 40 minutes from now. So from 10 o'clock and expecting a huge roll-up here today, members and fans, and the countdown is on for Derby number 54. Mm. Well, what a rivalry this is. I think the Jets have got the bragging rights by one game in that entire time. It might be 18 to 17 in terms of wins. And it dates all the way back to 2005. Season 17 of the A-League is underway with Melbourne City winners last night 2-1 against the Brisbane Roar at Amy Park. And alongside us, Ken Shemery, head of football with the Central Coast Mariners. Good morning, mate. And can you lay out what's going to unfold as we watch the, the first team have their final session before the derby? Oh, look, today's all about uh, engaging the fans, uh... And in addition to that, it's a bit of a female day for us. We've got to focus on the, uh, the women's program. We've launched a new girls uh, skill acquisition program this year for the very first time. So there'll be a lot of youngsters coming in probably around 10, 10.30 that, that we'll have a chat to. And uh, um, 
try and give them some sort of introduction about what, you know, the seriousness of elite football is all about, I guess. What, what are the numbers looking like, Ken, in terms of uh, <coughs> girls in sport, women, uh, especially in soccer? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've seen women's sport over the last 10, 15 years really explode, which has been fantastic. Uh, and with the introduction now in, in the W League of more teams, yeah. you know, it's a real positive. But is are we seeing that being reflected in the numbers of the girls that are playing? Yeah, definitely. The, the growth of female sport, I think it's running at about 18% at the moment. So it's a, you know, pretty high spike. We'd be looking to get that in all sports every year, wouldn't we? So, uh, but yes, it's uh, uh, they're doing really well at it. Uh, I think uh, everybody takes, it's treating it extremely serious. We've now invested equally in both programs, boys and girls. So, you know, I think it's uh, fantastic myself. Hey, Ken, we just had a great conversation off the air. Can you give us some insight into what the first team would be doing at the moment on the far field here? Sure, we've got final preps for tomorrow afternoon. Um, we're expecting pretty bad conditions, unfortunately. Um, you know, they're tipping 50 to 100 mil of rain. So um, not too dissimilar to what we had to play in last weekend, which is uh, uh, maybe it may end up being a good thing. It was, uh, I can tell you... Uh, that's the coldest I've been in a long, long time. <laughs> so uh, it was four degrees when we left Mudgee, and it was 25 when I got back to the coast. So that's the, that's the extreme of the comparison driving. Hey, uh, just on a side note, how did the Mudgee community embrace a game of that magnitude? And, uh, you know, it, um, it's a beautiful field out there. It's a great town with beautiful wineries. And did they really embrace football? Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I have to say I haven't been there before. The pitch was unbelievable. You know, I'd almost say it's one of the better pitches in the country. Like, it was just yep. top draw. Um, playing surface was good. Conditions were good. Support from the, the local Wolves uh, club was fantastic. So, yeah. And we're, we're considering going back to play, take an A-League game there mm. during the season now as a, due to the success of the trip. Yeah, yeah great idea. Fantastic, Beautiful. yeah, 100%. Just for that first time, our first team out there, do they finalise the squad? Will they know when they leave today who's where where their position, all their plays, etc. Yep. So yep. Uh, I'll get back. Uh, we'll finish up over there in about 35 minutes. Team will be announced at 10. We'll do a video session, send them home. Away we go on the bus tomorrow. So. Yeah, the uh, the big talking point, of course, uh, great debate. Lewis Miller played central defender last week alongside Kai Rolls. Ruon missed the match. Where's he at? And... Uh, so there's a, a couple of selection headaches because if Lewis doesn't play central defender, he could go to right fullback. Uh, the young man, Jacob Farrell, local mm -hmm. boy. How awesome is this story? He played left fullback last week and played the entire game. Yeah, great to have selection problems, isn't it? You know, like if you for Monty in his first uh, A-League game. Oh, look, I suspect Jacob will start. He's had a great pre-season. Um, sure, he's, people are saying he's come from nowhere, but uh, I think anybody that's been in the academy program for a while knows... The success story of young Jacob. Look, and he had a little dip uh, six months ago. He was at the crossroads of whether to, you know, bat on with football or not, but uh, managed to convince him, uh, uh, put his head down and have a crack. And he came back and said, I want to have a, a real go at it. And he's been unbelievable since then. So, yeah, I expect Jacob will start. The Ruan versus uh, Lewis. Ruan had a small strain, which chose to not take that risk in the cup. Uh, but he got 45 minutes under his belt in a trial game on Wednesday night and got through that fine. So, good position for Nick. We're talking to uh, Ken Shembury, uh, head of football with the Central Coast Mariners and a football legend himself. Back to you, Butte. Ken, we've seen the likes of Jacob, and you know, he more than likely will start tomorrow, which is fantastic. Um, and, and we saw it last year as well. The 
and it must make you extremely proud and, and also happy to see, you know, the kids from the academy that have been in the program for many years finally get that opportunity uh, with the A-League. We saw, you know, Hatchie last year, Nisbet, um, I don't know who else. There was Dan of, Hall. Dan Hall, yeah. Lewis Miller. Right, great, there's plenty of guys that have come through. Great player, Dan Hall. Yeah. yeah, correct. And there's plenty of guys that have come through this academy program and, and are getting that opportunity, which is great to see. Yeah, look, um, you know, I commenced this role 12 months ago as the head of football moving from the academy. So, obviously, I had a strong attachment to the academy naturally, but that's certainly one of my beliefs, you know, giving young children an opportunity to play at the top level is... You know, some people say that's a risk. I don't see it that way. I actually see it as a reward. Um, very, very rarely have they let us down. So. Well, what do you expect Nick Montgomery will do in the front third? Does Cy Goddard and also Maresh, do they play a cameo tomorrow afternoon? And what were your thoughts of, we mentioned earlier, uh, Benny Ancololo scoring the winner in, in Mudgee? And that yeah. left foot looks dynamite. Uh, you know, he played a lot of minutes last week. Yeah, I, look, I see no reason why there'd be a lot of change to what we did last week. Um, structurally, that was, uh, you know, what we were trying to achieve. Um, size ready to go. He was another one we cuddled uh, who had a slight injury strain uh, prior to that. But, um, you know, up front, uh, Maresh wouldn't, I think Maresh is cameo, only because uh, uh, he's not that long in the country, right? I want to go back to the juniors. And, you know, when you look at... and. It's you know, really interesting when you break down premiership teams and whatever else. And maybe, you know, Man City, oh, not Man City, uh, Melbourne City last year, are probably a classic example as well, where I think it's so important to have those local juniors that are coming through. They, they know the culture of the club. They know what it's about. And I, I think the success last year was a true reflection of these young kids coming through. They bring a whole level of enthusiasm. You also brought back the likes of a Matty Simon uh, and Ollie who have been a part of the club before. They know what it's about. Yep. Right, so you've got this, you know, this experience up the top there of old guys. You've got the young guys coming through that, again, but if you've got these seven or eight local juniors, it suddenly means that, you know, they're proud to wear that badge. Oh, I think it fits in with our club values, right? Like one, one of our sayings is that we're a family, right? Yep. And that's a very important word for this club. And, you know, the fact that... Uh, people like Jacob Farrell have had all their football on the coast. Hatchie, all his football on mm. the coast, right? And then, um, you know, but this team at the moment has a very, very strong presence of uh, academy players. And, you know, we've changed our recruitment strategies around that. We want a blend of 100% local, but we also want a blend of the best kids around who may not be getting opportunities in other depart in other areas. So... Um, we've got we've had success stories from Melbourne, and you know I've, we've brought another two youngsters from Melbourne that no one knows anything about. That with a bit of luck in a year's time, they could be something something else on the map. Yeah, and don't forget, in the early days, we had Tommy Rogic show up here, and Mustafa Amini, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. Alo Qual. So yeah. of course, we gave yeah. him an opportunity. Ken, uh, final question from me. Just I watched the Jets last week. Well, I watched their first forty-five minutes. And I've got to say, I mean, they were robbed with a with a goal that crossed the line. Uh, no VAR in the FFA Cup, but I also I was pretty impressed by their their attacking prowess in the in the final third. They've recruited very well. But let's get your analysis of their signings in 2021-22. Uh, I'm the same as you, to be fair. Um, very impressive in the front third. The Brazilian boy. Uh, looks like he's got a bit of a free role. Uh, Pena? Yeah, Pena. I don't think he's going to stay uh, 
just to play on the left side. I think he'll get inside, play as a 10, and I think he'll be given a bit of drift. Look, they've got a new coaching crew like us, right? Uh, exactly the same scenario. Um, both clubs will be looking for a good start. You know, I don't think there's anything new about round one football. Everybody wants to get a good start. I, I heard Quaz just say that it's all about getting the result. Um, and, you know... Uh, you know, I think we're one. What you said earlier, we're one match behind in the statistics. So by the end of the season, we might be two ahead. Eh? Yeah, be yeah, beautiful. And uh, gee, they've got a couple of good central defenders as well. They picked sure. up Yerman, didn't yeah, they? And yeah. also Elsie. Elsie, they're yeah, both good stoppers, excellent yeah. stoppers. But look, you know, like every team's got strengths and weaknesses. We've just got to play to our ability. And uh, you know, I think if we, uh, um, you know, from what I'm seeing, um, you know, it's interesting. I think we're going to build on last year and. You know, I'll finish up by saying that we're really we're on the road a bit. We're, you know, we've got four games, almost three games and a cup game on the road. But like, we're really looking forward to get back to the stadium in three weeks' time against Sydney and mm. uh, you know show the show our community that we're uh, off and running with a good season. Yeah, Elsie is the uh, Michael Butner lookalike. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> oh, the poor poor kid. <laughs> exactly, mate. You know what? The good thing is if to come back home against Sydney FC be great to be there you know with no losses whatever it is a couple of wins under yeah. your belt be really handy and you should get a big crowd yeah yeah look that's that's the aim we want to have a good first three rounds mm. uh you know we've got uh, considerably tough draw away from home with you know i think it's jets wellington macarthur in a row but then uh you know bring on the crowd we want to get back to what we had last year against sydney fantastic crowd there it was a game of the year so if we can, you know, start building that ten to fifteen thousand people per game at uh, Central Coast Stadium, I have no doubt that the supporters influence this team. Yeah, and uh, and we'll do well. Yeah, thanks so much for your time, Ken Shembury, the head of football at the Central Coast Mariners, and thanks for letting us uh, host the show from here. Uh, we're go- going to the news, and then we'll come back. We'll change tact a little. Mm. There's a 24-hour row happening on the coast. Uh, on next Wednesday and really looking forward to speaking to Adam Rose in a couple of minutes from now. It's going to be at the Terrigal Trojans and also we'll have our great mate on who's, I think he's embroiled in this. He's going to jump on the rower himself. The benchmark, Tony Clark will join us. He won't get on the rower. <laughs> yeah, There's he, not a chance. His people have spoken to my people wow. and, and TC, yourself and I will be on 15-minute rotations at the Terrigal Trojans is that right? for 24 hours. Wow, okay. <laughs> this Rowing is Saturdays, it out. It out. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're back live from the Mariners Family Day, which now gets underway in around about 25 minutes from now. Looks like this early cloud is clearing. It's going to be fairly warm today as well. We're watching the girls uh, go through their paces right in front of us. The Mariners, they were on the back pitch. In fact, they still are. And Ken Shembury told us they'll be working on set pieces today. Mm-hmm. and Finalising the team. Yeah. Man, do you remember that final session? Oh, how exciting. First game of the year. You've had a preseason. You can't wait to get out there. Yeah, the nerves are there. What was your focus in the final session? Just short and sharp and mentally more than physically? Yeah, yeah. It's all about, you know, ensuring that you know the plays, especially, you know, this going into this first game. Ensuring that you know your plays, know your responsibility, know your role, uh, and, you know, making sure that you get through this session okay. Uh, are you looking to your leaders like, so in this case, it's Matt Simon, uh, you know, when he crosses the white line tomorrow, look out, he'll be dynamite. And also, Ollie Bazanic 
So you're looking to those team leaders to really guide the way. Yeah, most definitely, especially, you know, for those younger guys to, you know, I guess settle the nerves somewhat to make them feel at ease, make them feel comfortable and ensure that they know their role and their responsibility and not to turn this into something bigger than what it is. Because it is a big there's no doubt about it, it's a big occasion. And, you know, if young Jacob gets that opportunity, it's his first A-League spot um, or cap and, uh, you know, thoroughly deserved. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of nerves for the young fella. Yeah, gee, you look great last week in Mudgee, mm. Jacob Farrell. And uh, in a few moments, we'll get Tony Clark mm. on to join us because he's Tony's nephew and uh, really looking forward to seeing him in action. Hey, Butes, alongside us, uh, we mentioned about the 24-hour row. It's called the Trojan Row. Adam Rose has joined us, one of the organisers, and also uh, Danny's here as well. Mate, uh, firstly, welcome to Saturdays on the Coast and tell us about next Wednesday. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much for having me on. So, yeah, we're um, trying to give back to kids' mental health and all that sort of stuff with Beyond Blue and uh, Lifeline. So we thought probably back in April last or this year or whatever, we decided to do something there. So we said, let's get these kids into the gym and do a 24-hour row. So we obviously got postponed due to COVID. But, um, yeah, so we're away next Wednesday from 6 in the morning um, till 6 o'clock Thursday morning. Yeah, and, and, and the benchmark, Tony Clark, he tells me that, uh, you know, some of the superstars of rugby league are coming up. They are, yeah. So we've got a few players coming up from Manly. Um, the Trollwood brothers are coming up. We've got Glenn Stewart out of retirement. Uh, so, yeah, it should be good. We've got, um, yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah, can you imagine uh, Tommy Turbo, uh, you know, I mean, what a player. He's the Dally M winner of the year uh, by the length of the straight. A great season he had, and I wonder if he's as good on the rower. What might make so... <laughs> what happened, or who came up with this concept idea... Um, you know, jump on a row because rowers are ugly. They're horrible. No, they I love hurt. them. I love them. It's you love them. They all, hurt, mate. It's all about the legs. Yeah, I know, but it hurts. Just get in that rhythm. Don't worry about the upper body and the rig. It hurts, just mate. Bounce back and forth. Yeah. So basically, look, we just wanted to try and toughen these these kids up a bit, and just, you know, show them how lucky they are in the in the lives that they have. But um, you know, we we put them through the elements all the time, so they're actually members that impact. Uh, all the time, these kids, and we do probably six or seven sessions a week with them. So how many rowers will be going at any one time? Just, well, we're we're going to have two side by side, but yep. only one going and at the same time. So and we're trying to get 360 k's out in uh, 24 hours. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, helping to get to 360 is this guy that's about to join us on the line, uh, Tony Clark, also known as the Benchmark. Good morning, mate. And I know you're pumped about next Wednesday. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. As long as I come in about three five nine point nine, I'll be good. Clarky, how long are you going to spend on that rower? I'm, I'm predicting less than three minutes. Well, I, I travelled the great Danny Sturvance and uh, one of the organisers uh, is helping uh, out with the North Sydney SG balls, uh, SG ball, and uh, he travelled with me last night and he's had his fifty on me, uh, probably lasting a minute and a half. <laughs> hey TC, you've heard the conversation this morning. Uh, and we've mentioned Jacob Farrell numerous times. Can you tell us his story and how he's connected with the Clark family? Yeah, great, great story. Uh, we're a very uh, proud uh, families with the, with the Farrells and the Clarks. Of course, uh, Kerry's maiden name is Farrell. Um, uh, uh, Jacob uh, is our nephew. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful story of um, resilience and, uh, and not giving up on your dream. Um, it, the the Farrell family have steeped in history, um, you know, with local Central Coast football, and uh, I know that Pop would be looking down, uh, very very proud of his grandson, and we're all looking forward to uh, to being up at um, McDonald Jones Stadium tomorrow to, to hopefully watch him uh, watch him run on, um, you know, for his first grade debut. 
Yeah, beautiful. And you're out in Mudgee last week as well. Hey, uh, just with next Wednesday at uh, the Trojan Row, have you spoken to some of the players at Manly? Because, in fact, I'm surprised Desi. Uh, is Desi coming up as well? And I'm surprised he's letting the boys on the rowers. Uh, yeah, no, no that, that's all, all out of my league. Uh, I just gave a couple of tips here and there. Um, and the boys have certainly followed the followed the uh, the league with that. I haven't spoken to any any of the players, but I know that there's a, a good contingent coming up. But we also know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of the local guys are, are grabbing hold of it too. Steve. So it's just a wonderful initiative uh, from the Trojans. Yeah, Adam, uh, back to you, my friend. Um, you said it was postponed because of COVID, and yeah, a lot of people really struggled, uh, particularly during the second lockdown. It just seemed to be. Endless, didn't it? It was. Uh, a lot yeah, of, it dragged out and dragged out. A lot of people God. got involved in politics, myself included, where, you know, a lot of us were getting angry uh, about the, the state of affairs, particularly in New South Wales. We become an expert. We become experts, don't we, about politics, all those things, COVID. Well, what are you seeing at the coalface? Uh, yeah, same deal. So we've had these kids basically um, in, in the program since um, January or early January. So they're, they're great to be back. They sort of had about three months out of the training school that they're in um, due to COVID because we had a lockdown pretty much like all the other schools. So, But they're just so happy to be back. And, um, yeah, they're really looking forward to next Wednesday to give it some. Adam, there's no doubt that you're going to raise enormous awareness. Well, as soon as I saw the superstars from Manly who are coming up, uh, but uh, what about in terms of fundraising? Uh, what are you hoping to reach? Oh, I don't want to put a goal on it. Just whatever we can do. And just obviously everyone just realised that there are a lot of young kids at the moment that have a lot of serious mental health issues, especially due to COVID. So any sort of awareness, um, it would be fantastic. And, and just thanks so much to the community for um, for getting involved in it. It's been amazing. So this will happen at the Trojans Club? Uh, uh, at Impact Gym. At Impact so Gym, OK. Yep, fantastic. So, so if people want to get down there and see... What's going on? They want to make a donation. They want to see the Manly boys. Yep. What time are, can we expect those guys so to be? The Manly guys are going to be there at 4.30 on Wednesday afternoon yep. until 6 o'clock. They're going to book that time row out. And um, so and then a lot of the Trojans are going to row from that 6 till 9 or 10 o'clock on that Wednesday night as well. But, yeah. When are you going down, Steve? Yeah, well, you, you, you've got the midnight shift. Hey, apparently, I, I, I've cleared. <laughs> I've cleared the schedule. Uh-huh. Uh, Steve does. You know, Steve does some of his best work at midnight. Oh, yes, he does. Last man standing. Uh, so, for between one o'clock and five o'clock, you're on. Yeah. So uh, it's called the Trojan Row, but it's at the Impact Gym, and I, I believe I uh, still think that Mick Ostini is running he the is, gym. So, yep. former NRL yep. player, fantastic yeah. guy. So, Mick's in there. He's going to have a row. So. Yeah, he's, he's looking he good. He's in good shape, Mick. He is. He is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, for for a little while there, I think he was trying to do like the world's strongest man, yeah. uh, well, like that... li- lifting those giant boulders yeah, and yeah. you know pulling the big fella there, pu- um... pulling trucks. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic, mate. So nice of you to come and join us live on the show this morning. Any any final words about the Trojan Road? Let's get the 360Ks done. Yeah, yeah. What have we worked that out at? How does that work out? I, I like my maths and I try and work so it out. It's basically 500 metres uh, at every two minutes. Oh, so okay. So it's a solid tempo. For 24 hours it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. That's a solid yeah. tempo because I can do 140 consistently for a while. Yeah. But two minutes is a solid tempo. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, it'll be good. And thanks so much for having us on the race. Yeah, yeah pleasure. And, uh, You're up to the races today. We are, mate. Where are you off, off to? Off to Gosford. Oh, the Gossy races. How good. <laughs> Hopefully the rain will hold out. Yeah, time to put the uh, the suit on, my friend. Uh, so the Trojan Road coming up this week at the Impact Centre, and uh, it's for Beyond Blue, Lifeline, and is it Socks as well? Yes, it is, yes. Yep. So what, what does that stand for? 
It's just another organisation that involved in with the Trojans or whatever for kids for mental health as well. Yeah, awesome. Great to see you, boys. Uh, This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. We're live from the family day at the Tugra Centre of Excellence for the Mariners. Back in just a moment. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from the Mariners Family Day, and this kicks off in around about 13 minutes from now. But, Butte, have a look at the crowd that's rolling up already. Yeah. A good, good-looking audience right in front of us. And you can see the young ladies. They're still training uh, on the first pitch. The Mariners senior team, they've had their final session this morning. So, hive of activity down here. Lots of excitement around the 17th A-League season. Last night. Melbourne City winners against Brisbane Raw 2-1. The derby in Sydney is on tonight. The bald badger is down here. He's in the house. Look at him. There he is. Uh, Looking good. Looking good too. Flexing the muscles as well. Hey, by the way, uh, thanks again to BJ Howe's Meadowland for last week. Steve Dawson, Danielle, the entire team. You know, I walked away with the Milwaukee Sander and Sharon... It's a wonder she hasn't sanded me back. Uh, she has created a couple of masterpieces at our place this week with the sander and, uh, you know, revitalising some of our furniture. And the boys there, they looked after you well and truly. Great price. Yeah, well, don't forget, I mean, their biggest point of difference is the range they stock, and they specialise in everything. But welding, Dave Rich has been at Lizero. Can you believe he's been there for 35 years? Ridiculous. Well, he what, knows everything about welding there well, is to know. What does that say about a workplace when someone's been there for three and a half decades? It means they can't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it means that he loves his job. And you know what? Yes. There's that family feel to it. And, yep. and that's what BJ Howe's Metal Land well, is all about. Well, it is a family. Yep. Uh, so welders, welding helmets, gloves, wires, starting kits, over $500 of gear for only three ninety-five. That's what they'll do for you. This weekend at BJ House uh, on the Central Coast. Hey, Buta, we've still got TC on the line. Clarky, I want to talk some rugby league with you. Firstly, what a great signing by the West Tigers. Isaiah Papali'i to the West Tigers. But then have a look at the Telegraph today and the Penrith Panthers being dismantled. Tyrone May is gone and so he should be. Kirk Capewell is gone. Momorowski off to the Roosters. Brent Naden to the Bulldogs, of course. Dylan Edwards is off contract. Appy Curacao off contract and unsigned. Viliami Kikau, as we've seen, plastered across the papers alongside Trent Barrett and also Gus Gould in Bulldog colours. What are your thoughts? Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. You surprised me some of those names, but that's... Uh... That is a dismantling of, uh, of the, the first degree, isn't it? And uh, I suppose it's a testament to the success that they've had over the last, um, you know, probably three or four years, Stovo, and, and, and it's such a true statement with that uh, when, when people talk of, of the window of opportunity to win a, to win a championship and, uh, you know, before you are dismantled and uh, with, with salary cap constraints. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they're, 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 they're the benchmark, though, in, uh, in junior development, and, um, and, and I'm sure that... Uh, with the people in charge out there, that um, you know the, the next line, uh, the, ne- the next players will be on the production line ready to go. Clarky, do you have a problem with? And I just find it ridiculous, but do you have a problem with Viliami Kickout being photographed in the Bulldogs shirt with Gus Gould, Trent Barrett? I, I don't see a problem with it. Like he's going to go there in 15 months' time. The game is well and truly professional now, right? So play. It's not to take anything away from Viliami Kickout next year. He's still going to do his job and do it well for the Panthers. Yeah, but why take a photo? 
Yeah, I, 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 I agree I'm, with you, TC. Yeah, I, I couldn't I'm, agree I'm, more. I'm, I'm old school. I, I just don't know why Gould. Well, it, it's just a rub sold in the clear. That's all it is. You know, it is it's because he's a very personal man. Phil Gould, you know, like you're either in the window or out the window with him, and, and that's all. It, I, I find it disgusting, Michael, that that, that that they do it. And why would Kitty out? I mean, you know, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, but why would he be talking to a photo when he's still got uh, 12 months? He got the parade on today down the main street of Penrith. And he's a bloke living. You know, rugby league has got to change. We've got to change it. We need a transfer, a transfer window system as the AFL do. That's what we need. And, and the sooner we get that, the better. I mean, this talk of, you know, like, 12, like imagine talking about him playing, you know, in in, in twelve months' time. It's ridiculous. You know, the yeah. big, the big well, thing. I with couldn't this... agree with TC more. Yeah, like, uh, you, you've got to put yourself in the position of the fans. And TC just said it. They've got a massive day of celebration. Imagine the sour taste in the Panthers fans' mouths today when they see Viliami kick out. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's twenty twenty three that he's going to be over there, and like that photo. And Viliami's, I think he's got to take a little of the blame. You go, hey, I'm more than happy to have a Bulldogs photo, but let's do it in six months' time. Yeah, okay. Fair point. Fair yeah. point. No, correct. I, and, but, but again, it's only a personal thing with Gould. Everyone knows that. That's, that's all it is. And, and for him to do it the day before their, pre, their, their parade, it just shows what sort of man he is. The, um, the interesting thing for me is, you know, in relation to this, and I think, you know, the RLPA need to look at this themselves, the Players Association, uh, because it is concerning for fans that they, you know, can lose their players 12, 15 months before you know, the contract ends, which does leave a bit of taste in their mouth. Um, whether, you know, that six-week period is enough time, and, and I have no doubt, and, you know, the, the argument goes that, you know, it doesn't give players enough time to find accommodation and set the family up, etc. I'm telling you right now, players, and we've seen it throughout the year, players will go from one club to the other within a week or two weeks, and, and it's not an issue there. So that argument doesn't sit well with me. Your thoughts here, Clarkie? Oh, I couldn't agree more, Michael. It's a non-argument. It's a non-argument. I mean, people, people, how many times have they had an issue that they're playing for the Bulldogs and then they're playing for Manly the next week? So, you know, that, yep. that just doesn't wash with me. But we, we have to. I mean, the AFL lead the way. Lead the way. They make an event. They do everything correctly. And, and, and we have to follow. I mean, it's a blight on the game. Because, you, okay, so, you know, I, I, they're gonna, there's going to be a little, I hope there's not with the Panthers, but you'd imagine there's going to be a little uh, hangover, you know, with, with, with the premiership winners we've seen. Um, you know, like well, he drops the ball. He goes, you know, look, it's just, it, 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 it's not a, it's not a good look for the game. Not a good look for the game. TC, a couple of quick ones. How do you think Demetrio will go at South Sydney Rabbitohs? Uh, have you had much to do with him as he's come through the ranks? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I haven't. Um, I've met him once, but uh, yeah, he's a very impressive man. Um, I, I've got no doubt, Steve, that he'll. Um, He'll put his own stamp on it. I liked an article he, he did uh, uh, with a great Nick Walshaw the other day and the fact that he was, um, uh, you know, he's his own man. And I think that's so important. There'll be pressure on him um, because, of course, being the head coach, I mean, it, it, it's not a, you know, assistant coach for everyone's friends. But, of course, with the head coach, he's going to have to make some tough decisions. But, but again, you can see, like, South, the, the Rabbits aren't far behind the Panthers in their, in their junior development system, as we saw in the grand final where each of them had, like, seven and six juniors, you know, playing each. So I, I'm, the, the rabbits will be competitive, and I'm sure that the, the excitement around that Jason will will generate um, will certainly hold the rabbits in uh, in good stead. TC, we could keep this conversation going mm. all day, but uh, we're off to the news, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. Any final words, 25 words or less, just on Jacob Farrell making his A-League debut tomorrow, part of the Clark family? 
Yeah, just a wonderful story for, for Central Coast football, something that we're, we're so, so proud of. And, uh, yeah, go to the Mariners tomorrow. Yeah, go the Mariners. Derby 54, we'll be calling it live on SEM, myself and Adam Kwasnick. We're off to the news, back shortly from the Mariners Family Day at the Tugra Centre of Excellence. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from the Mariners Centre of Excellence. The family day is underway for 2021. It uh, goes until midday today. And uh, look at all the young fans, uh, men, women and children here. And speaking of women, we've got the uh, women's yes. coach, Peter Preston, has joined us. Good morning, mate. G'day, guys. How are you? We're well. Um, so far, we've been watching these girls, like, for the last hour. It's been pretty intense out there. And tell us uh, how old these girls are and where they've all come from. Yep, no problems. A lot of them are the Coast Girls. Uh, we're trying to bring as many through as we can from the Central Coast. So a lot of them were retained from last year with everything that happened with COVID and all that, and the season got cut short. Uh, but obviously with the announcement of the W League as well, at the end of the next year, for next season, we're looking to obviously recruit some people as well. And we've brought a few girls in. We've actually nicked a few from our neighbours up the road, the Jets. So, so far, so good. Yeah, congratulations, mate, on your appointment too. And uh, what does that mean to you and also your assistant coaches, uh, you know, to get that appointment? I know you've been around the club for a long time. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Obviously, I had a break last year and in 2021 and been around the boys' side for five years. And then, obviously, back in with the girls now, Ken gave me a call and said, would you be interested? So, I just love coaching. So, yeah, no, really excited. And obviously, Gabby Blanche will be my assistant and play a little bit of a role as well in, in there. And... Uh, so yeah, she's happy to be on board as well and adds a lot of experience with the girls side of things and Pete Edwards with the 16s, Alicia Dudman with the 15s and we're just in limbo at the moment with the 14s but we're pretty close. So where will these girls play Pete and who do they play against and you know what's the strength of the competition? They're in NPL 2 at the moment, same as the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking to get promoted and get into NPL 1 hopefully for the year after and then obviously with the W League in the middle of that season and stuff like that. So NPL 2 in the winter. W League next summer, and then hopefully we're promoted from NPL 2 and NPL 1 for 23. So due to, and despite the success the club have had at academy level, uh, especially in the last couple of years, um, because of COVID, they didn't get that opportunity to go up to NPL 1, is that correct? Yeah, correct, because obviously the senior competitions haven't been completed in, yep. in the last couple of years, so unfortunately for the boys as well as the girls, yeah, we haven't had the opportunity to finalise um, a promotion opportunity and stuff, just with the seasons getting cut short, yeah, so obviously that's the goal this year and everything you know, staying healthy and positive and that around COVID, we should be good to go. You'd think that, you know, academy programs that are associated with the A-League teams should, well, I believe, just from an outsider looking in, should be in that MPL 1 competition. They're obviously going to be the stronger clubs and and have the the greater resources. It just makes sense to me that that's how it works out. But they've got a system here that that's how it works. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, everyone's got their own opinions on how that should work. And I'm sure the MPL clubs would be uh, fighting tooth and nail not to give free free rides to the A-League clubs and the academies and stuff. So I I, I get it both ways. And it'd be nice if we're, you know, I think it'd be better anyway if we earned the right to get there anyway on our own merit. So boys and girls, I think. That's where the club's heading, and we, you know, we're we're pretty confident in both sides this year. So we think we're we can get to where we want to go to. We're talking to Peter Preston, head coach with the A League Women at the Central Coast Mariners, and you know it is enormous in terms of pathway that we've actually got a franchise for 2023. Uh, it's incredible, and obviously with the announcement of the SAT license as well for the girls, we were all the way through, same as the boys now. So to, obviously part of today is obviously a bit of an introduction to the women's football. So we've, with the G SAT uh, or girls SAT as we call it. 
uh, under 10s, 11s, 12s, 13s, which will underpin uh, the NPL youth, 14s, 15s, 16s, and then hopefully step into the senior space in NPL and then hopefully progress all the way through to the A-League women's. Peter, can you share some stories? So you said you were with the men's side of the program at the academy for about five years. We know what football is like at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Sam Kerr and the Matildas, you know, they're, they're absolute rock stars. In fact, they're our favourite sporting team in the country. And like Butte said, he stopped watching the NRL through the Olympics to watch the Matildas campaign. Sam Kerr's just re-signed, by the way, for a few more years, extended her deal with Chelsea. But what is it like at the grassroots of women's football? Uh, it, it's, it's definitely growing. I've been fortunate as well because I'm actually involved a little bit with Kalani as well, so I run their football program for them. Uh, so I've sort of seen women's football grow from the early 2000s, you know, probably from 100 girls and probably 10 teams to where it is now and there's probably a couple of thousand girls playing and there's lots of teams in all the different age groups all the way up to Premier League locally and stuff and then obviously with the, you know, as the rep- representative program has grown as well, especially on the Central Coast, yeah, we, women's football has just grown and then like you said, on the back of the Matildas you know, unbelievable, unbelievable team and you know, they've done really well and obviously really excited about the upcoming games for them with the USA as well and stuff but you know, all the girls are, you know, they're just a buzz with the Matildas and stuff like that so I think we've seen Pete over the last in a 10 years or whatever it is, the skill level has increased dramatically. How do you see these girls at the moment? Where are they positioned? And if they were to compete against a boy side and be competitive against them, what sort of age would they be looking at in terms of their skill level? Uh, I think skill level at the top, no dramas. I think the technique and that for the girls is amazing. Yep. And it's just the physicality yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff, obviously, with the boys' physical presence against the girls. So that's where they, they get beat up a bit if they do play boys and that. So it's probably around... Um, you know, physically probably 15 or 16 year old boys, um, but technically probably up with first grade boys and yeah, stuff. Yeah. They can yeah. play, they can pass, they can kick, they can. You know, yep. First touches are good. Well, I thought the recent games against Brazil. Uh, I was watching with my son Corey, mm. and it, they were mind blowing. How the speed of the game, the skill level of the game, and uh, you know, and some of the girls coming through too at a super young age. Um, is just so exciting for the women's game. Um, tell us, like a lot of our listeners, they probably wouldn't know a whole lot about Gabby Blanche um, unless they're, you know... you know, Diehards. Diehard football fans. So tell us more about her as your assistant coach and also uh, uh, she's going to play some role, isn't she, on the pitch? 100%. She's, um, she's a top player. She's been a top player on the coast for a long time. She's been around it. She's played at club level. Uh, she's won Premier League titles locally. Uh, she's playing around the rep program. She's been a big driving force. Uh, her and Lizzie Shorter, um, another one who's been around for a long time. And but yeah, Gabby, yeah, she's still got a lot to offer even at her age and stuff. Like she's getting on a bit now, so she keeps telling me that. So uh, we're just trying to manage her loads as well a little bit, and and obviously a little bit of coaching on the side as well, just to help her transition into that. But yeah, no, she's got to play a big role on the field for us. We're always excited when Central Coast locals get a start in the A League team in in the men's side. Can you put any kind of percentage on how many girls will be local in the A-League women as opposed to girls that we draft in? Uh, I think it, it, it's early doors to, say, to see, but obviously see what sort of interest the club attracts with some you know, some high-profile girls. But I think you know, there's no reason why we can't get you know, five to six girls in the, initially into the next year's squad um, and then in and around the group. How many games they play will be up to them depending on how they train. But you know, we'll, the club will sign... I'd imagine somewhere between 23 and 23 players like they do in the boys and mm. as they're training and that. But also I'd like to implement some, you know, a bit of a train-on squad as well with the local girls rather than, you know, the girls that are local and bring them into the environment and, you know, let them gain the valuable experience and, 
you know, see where, how far they can take themselves to the next level. Some of the girls out there now, Pete, um, can you name a couple who we can keep an eye on uh, as the season progresses? Some that, you know, stand out for you that you and not to put any pressure on them, but, you know, clearly they're, you know, heading in the right direction. Yeah, early doors. Obviously, I've been obviously with the girls now for three weeks and uh, they're doing really well, but... Yeah, there's probably one or two that have, um, you know, through training. We brought a couple in, like I said, from the Jets, so there's one or two to keep an eye on with there. Uh, Chloe Smith, Tegan Douglas, Leah Hagen, Obviously, Sophie Nanadovich we brought in as a sort of our marquee player for MPL, and she's played a lot of W League and Young Matildas and stuff. But from a local point of view as well, you got girls like Abby Van Gemmett, uh, who looks good, Eloise Jones, um, Bella DeMeyer, Rachel Glendenning. There's quite a number of girls that are really pushing their case to, you know... Um, force their way into the first grade side for MPL next year and give them some valuable experience along with some of the other girls like some of the older girls Caitlin Murphy like Lizzie Shorter that we mentioned earlier Gabby uh, Caitlin uh, Candice Phelan sorry as well so yeah and like Nick Montgomery have you got spies in every corner of the globe and I, I dare say with women's football now I know Europe are professional leagues but in America, the college system is absolutely huge, isn't it? Have you got some spies in the US? Yeah, we have. I actually had a conversation with Sean Millicamp, our CEO, the other day about that and stuff. And the club's trying to build some relationships with the in the US and stuff. So hopefully, we can have a bit of a, you know, organise a bit of a sister system there where we, you know, they send some girls over and we can send some girls over there as well, long term. And that, that's a club's direction where they look like they're heading. So, uh, yeah, very exciting times for women's football. And is it good for the girls here also? And I imagine it would be to you know, be training alongside the A-League boys there. That, you know, they're just over the field there. And, you know, they've obviously seen these uh, guys play on TV on a regular basis. But to be, you know, almost in that same family, that same close-knit community now, must be a good feeling for those young girls. Yeah, I think it's awesome and stuff. And they look over the fence and they see the boys there and stuff. And they obviously train in the facility. The club's done wonderful here. I haven't been back for 12 months. And the actual training field's really good as well. So, yep. as I said, everything's stepping up and... Uh, the club, Ken and Sean, have been amazing with the girls' side of things as well, and they're really starting to push everything in line with the boys and that. So it's it all goes well for the future for women's football. There's no doubt about that. Mate, it's a good sign when, you know, this family day has just <laughs> kicked off and we've probably got a couple of hundred people here already, which is a great sign. Yes. Uh, and it's a reflection of, I think, the success the club had last year, but also the anticipation of the year to come. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, Stadge and Nath did a really good job and obviously they've moved on now and you know, Monty and Serge have taken over and brought in their own staff and made a few changes, but they've been lucky they've kept the nucleus of the squad. Um, so, yeah, everyone's obviously started last night in Melbourne City and Brisbane, but obviously our boys mm. kick off tomorrow. I wish them all the best against the Jets and I'm sure they'll get up there and get a, get the job done. But, yeah, for the girls, just, yeah, working closely there and stuff and crossing paths and saying hello and, as I said, everyone's just welcomed us back. They've welcomed me back, to be fair, with open arms, which has been great as well. So... Yeah, we're just trying to build that relationship between boys and girls just to, as I said, so we're one family, one club, like you know, like everyone knows us has. So, yeah, yeah, it's been great. Talking to Peter Preston, head coach of the Mariners A-League women. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned about the local competition because, you know, we've seen Gosford. What a sensational women's side, but also you minor in the last couple of years where they won the championship. And you know, I've covered a lot of those stories for NBN News, and I've just been gobsmacked by the standard of the local competition. And I think a lot of those girls deserve, uh, and not just them, because you know, I've seen the Olasses, the uh, Terrigal women's team as well, and they're a fantastic side. Yeah, I said it's, like I said, it's growing all the time, and it's great opportunities, I said, for girls that... You know, like the boys, you know, if you don't want to play in the elite level and stuff, there's still a good competition to play in. I was fortunate. I was at the stadium last year, grand final day uh, that Central Coast Football ran, and we went there early, and 
as I said, watch Gosford in your, uh, Gosford in your minor in the grand final. It was a penalty shootout. It was a cracking game, and obviously pretty exciting. I think it finished two all at normal time, and then your minor ended up getting them on pens. And yeah, it was amazing. So yeah, really awesome. awesome yeah, stuff. credit to all of them. Uh, Peter, yeah. thanks so much for your time. Uh, best wishes, mate. And, uh, hopefully, you'll be a regular guest on our show moving forward. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. Appreciate yeah, it. We might uh, we might grab Mick Morley for a second because you just want to give a sponsor a uh, massive rap. Uh, you were saying earlier that uh, is it DMC have been huge supporters of the Central Coast Mariners in particular. Grab that mic, Mick, and fire away. Mick, grab the mic. There he goes. <laughs> there Here we go. Geez, taking his time. I'm back. He's back. I'm yeah, back. so DMC, quickly. Yeah, DMC, Michael Davey, mate. Um, they're a mining, mining uh, they do belts and stuff in uh, Western Australia. But, you know, there's no, no business in the Central Coast, but massive supporter of the Mariners. Took all the boys out for lunch yesterday at uh, Baker Street at Gosford. Uh, the whole crew... He uh, does that regularly. Um, he see me. His name will be around all the training shirts and that. He's Wingara, uh, uh, Wildcats. He 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 sponsors the Gwandalan team. He's massive. I think it's over there at King Cumber, the Colts. Mm. Uh, what he puts back to the Central Coast for uh, really nothing for his business is is amazing. So mate, um, Michael Davy and DMC, amazing. Yeah, gr- great to hear those stories, isn't it? Did you end up going to the feed yesterday? Uh, no, I'm, uh, no, I was busy. Thanks. We are just sort of. He'd go anywhere for a free feed. <laughs> have, a, have a look at him. He looks like he's struggling on this uh, Saturday morning. The great man. No, I'm not. No, I'm not, man. I put the eye drops in before I came here. Um. <laughs> uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast. We're off to a break. We're back in just a few moments' time. Uh, Gary Birkinshaw, unfortunately, can't join us, but we'll talk some cricket. The Aussies oh. winning the T20. They've broken the drought after 14 years. What Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're live from the Mariners Family Day at the Tugra Centre of Excellence. And uh, as Michael said just a few moments ago, we've got hundreds right in front of us, men, women and children. Uh, looks like the girls have almost finished their session under Peter Preston. Uh, it looks like they'll be coming over to sign some autographs and meet all the family and friends that are here today. But right now, we thought we might just discuss Derby number 54. Mm. 4.05 tomorrow afternoon in Newcastle. Doesn't get any better to open a season, does it, Michael? Does it? What? And I can't wait for it. And uh, like I said earlier in the show, I think the A-League have done a great job in terms of promotion on Channel 10. Uh, what is it? I just can't get enough. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a really good tune. They got It's just created a hell of a lot of excitement, I believe. Yeah, and we've got some of the members uh, and fans uh, that have been here since day one, back in 2005. Phil McNabb is with us. Mick Morley, a.k.a. the Bald Badger. Chris is here and also Aaron. And we're just going to whip the microphone around and get their thoughts on Derby number 54. Phil, to you, first of all, you've been a member since day one. And uh, how are you feeling... How are you feeling about the Nick Montgomery era? Uh, I'm really positive. Yeah. Um, seeing uh, Nick, you know, uh, the last year or so doing the um, the uh, the juniors, well, the juniors, the... The academy. The, the academy, academy program, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the success he's had there and his style of play and everything. I'm Yeah, I'm really positive and um, really hopeful that we'll do well with the A-League. Phil, the success the club had last year... Uh, you're obviously hoping that that continues. Uh, it was a great year last year oh, from where absolutely. they were 
um, and it's really important that they maintain that momentum and hopefully we get back to those housing days where we get 10, 15, even 20,000 people rocking up to the stadium. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be good to see see that regular every home game, ten to 15,000. Um, yeah, I think that we can do it, yeah. It'll depend on the A-League generally, I think, to, to bring the numbers up. And I think you, know, you mentioned about the promotion. At the, you know, I think that's all very important. That's, uh, yeah, as you said, I think it's um, been a, a bit better this year for starters. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, promotion's very important generally for the A-League to bring our numbers up and everybody else's. So, yeah. Hey, Phil, does it annoy you that... Uh some of the experts have already written the Mariners off and are saying we won't make the top six. I think Robbie Slater might be one of those. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, there was a bit of talk like that last year too, wasn't there? Yeah. Hey, uh, as well as being a, a member and a fan, you're mm. also heavily involved in a lot of aspects of the club. I love the fact uh, you do the loose cannon. Tell, tell our listeners more about that. Uh, that's the, uh, the game day uh, booklet that we... Uh, and Aaron's more involved than I am. He's the organiser of that, <laughs> that, that, of handing them out at the, at the gates, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's great. You're meeting people as they come in and um, the, the opposition fans as well as they come in, uh, have a bit of a chat with them <laughs> at times. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's great, yeah, and it's a, it's a good little booklet, and, and it's, very, it's a good quality one, too. It's not just a bit of A4 paper folded in half, mm. you know. It's, a, it's, it's good, glossy little mag. It's yeah, good. I reckon there'd be some people that collect those that have collected them since day one, uh, including Aaron. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, Phil McNabb, not sure if you know Buttes, but radio legend. Uh, he's a uh, producer in Sydney. We worked, used to work ah. together at 2WS and uh, still in the business at Hope. Hope, yeah. Same building as at 2W. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. In uh, Lee Bonds Lane. Yeah. Uh, let's go across to Chris. Uh, mate, um, how long have you been a member? Since day one? Yeah. And uh, who's your favourite player at the Mariners in that time? Um, I would have to say John Hutchinson because obviously being a club legend and one of our greatest ever captains, um, being able to see him play and just enjoy the fact he was always so passionate about the club, particularly... For an F3 Derby, he would be one of the most hated from the Jets fans' point of view. So I remember a couple of times Jets fans would throw something at him and, <laughs> and it was all quite a bit of a fun and gains for between him and the fans. But, yeah, he's definitely one of my best yeah, players. They were dollar coins, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Actually, I've been, asking, uh, I've been asking everyone, what's Matt Simon like in the dressing room this week? What can we expect uh, tomorrow from the Wizard of Woiwoi? But, uh, mate, uh, what are your thoughts about the Nick Montgomery era? Because we mentioned earlier on the show that if the team is a reflection of Nick Montgomery, A, physical, B, work rate, uh, you know, which we, we're going to love to see, and C, skill. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be positive. I think he's done a fantastic job with the academy over the last couple of years that he's been at the helm knowing he won the title with him a few years ago as well. So it's a, I think it's a positive move by the club, and I think he's going to be a great coach for us as well. Chris, what do you think about the, the young kids that have come through? Obviously, they've worked with Monty through that academy program, but we saw you know a, a few of them come through last year, Dan Hall, uh, Hatchie, uh, Nisbet, and we've seen young Jacob Farrell uh, probably going to make his debut tomorrow. Uh, it's exciting times for the club when you've got these young kids that are emerging through. Absolutely. I think it's going to be great. Like we saw what Quile produced last season. Now he's obviously overseas where I believe he's doing fantastic over there at the moment. So, and so, but yeah, it's great to see the club being able to bring up these youngsters and hopefully we'll see a few more players go overseas 
and become <coughs> future Socceroos. Yeah, doing a great job, Chris. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the air. Uh, you guys would know more than we do because you're, you're, you're the passionate fans. You're the heart and soul of this football club. What's Allo's brother like? Is he going to be better? I think he can be. I think he will be better than... Uh, from all reports, he's going to be a great player. So, yeah, I think he'll definitely fit in well, and I won't be surprised if he end up, ends up being better than Quo, actually. So, see, so I expect him will be a lot better. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, uh, Aaron, congratulations, mate, on uh, on everything you've done, like, with the Loose Cannon, because, as Phil mentioned, it's a, it's a quality publication. And what, it's your baby? Yeah, well, actually, it's not my baby, but uh, it's one that I've been around since the beginning. Benny O'Neill, former communications manager at the, at the Mariners, made the thing, and uh, we got together for coffee one day. He said to me, can you hand it out if I get it made? I, I, we did that, and uh, it's kind of about the fact that we've got a unique audience. Uh, they're not all Facebookers, and to have something in their hands at the games is fantastic for our people. So I'm passionate about having those conversations, giving those things to the fans out there. And uh, so, yeah, love doing it, love the fact that it's there. Aaron, what's the idea of the content? What, what are we talking about it's here? It's just about, um, you know, maybe brings up uh, some stuff about a staff member or a player who's in vogue at that time yep. or maybe local uh, sponsorship and uh, local people getting involved. Sometimes we see a volunteer get listed in there. On the back of the thing, there's the team list so that some of our um, fans can, you know, write down who the subs were, who scored the goals, that kind of yes. thing. Hey, so. I'm glad you mentioned about some of the media managers because I tell you, we have had, and a lot of them have gone overseas, so, you know, Ben Coon was the the first and you know David Jordan moved on at the end of last year but you know they've, they've done oh well Tyson is in uh, Europe at the moment isn't he and they've just done a superb job what is it is it a poison chalice thing role oh no it, it, or is it the springboard it is the springboard it's a springboard like this show yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Matter of pride. So, for, for me, it's a matter of pride to see, similar to watching our players go overseas, like Alo Kowal, then we, we watch our staff go overseas and enjoy the big time in their in their respective fields. And Tyson's just a, a great example of that. Benny with the Socceroos, Benny Coonan, well, he's been everywhere. Um, and uh, David Jordan would just be the next one, I think. And who's next? Robbie. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, we debated for quite a while this morning with Ken Shembury about, uh, you know, who's going to play stopper tomorrow. Will, will it be Lewis Miller or does Ruong come straight back in after his stellar season last year? Does Lewis go to right back? What are the permutations? Who do you see the back four being tomorrow? Well, I hope that uh, Ruin is uh, ready to play because I'd like to see him come back in. He, he really showed what he's about last year, and I think he can do that again if we can if he's fit. Um, but Lewis did a great job out at Mudgee last weekend, and um, I tell you what, he's bulked up those shoulders on him. There's not much getting past that. So I think we've got great um, variety there that we maybe didn't think we'd have there, but we have got there. We've got. Uh, uh, Storm Rue out on the right there if need be but um, we've also got Lewis who can go out there and, and uh, I'm one of the co-presidents of the Dan Hall uh, fan club, not to mention the Josh Nisbet fan club, yeah. so, um, so we'd love to see those boys there and uh, so we've got versatility there I think Yeah, <laughs> different role for Nizzy too uh, because he's moved further forward and uh, well, you know, what can't the, he do? Yeah, absolutely Hey, uh, is your heart filled with joy about Jacob Farrell playing absolutely. left fullback and tell us, uh, have you had much to do with their family in local football? Well, I haven't, but um, I am a keen watcher of the NPL games and so forth, and I have seen uh, the, them, them coming through, including Jacob, and um, it's just fantastic to see a coastie getting his opportunity in the main team. I'm a 52-year veteran of the Central Coast, and, and you know I love the Central Coast, love the club, love what it's about, love the fact that we can bring through these juniors of all types. Now it'll be the girls that we can bring through. This mm. is fantastic. Aaron, how do, you see, how do you see the game playing out tomorrow, mate? Uh, the local derby... Uh, the Jets versus the uh, the Mariners. 
I think we can get the win. It's going to be tough, though. All derbies are tough. Um, it'll, an interesting piece to it will be the Matty Yerman in the back for Newcastle versus Matty Simon. It'll be the yeah. uh, kick-each-other-a-thon up there, I think. But Former teammates, too. Former teammates, yeah, they have been teammates. So it'll be an interesting one, an interesting revisit to that. But um, but we've got some style at the front there with Marcus Marco Aranya and um, you know with the, our young players coming through up there. Josh Nisbet on the wing last week, and our young French Benny Ancololo was fantastic last week. So I think we've got you know some options there and uh, more to come. Side Goddard hasn't we haven't seen him yet too much. So and uh, young Maresh. So yeah, so yeah, I think and we look good. Looking at Side Goddard's highlights reel. He can just turn players inside out. Hey, uh, let's whip around here. Uh, final question for all of you guys. Uh, finally, uh, what does the Mariners mean to you? Phil McNabb. Uh, you're lost for words, are you? Let's, yeah, go to, let's go to Aaron, who's on fire. Uh, uh-huh. what, what does the Mariners mean? Mate, it's the Central Coast. It's the, it's the thing that bring, it can bring the Central Coast together. They always talk about how we uh, don't have crowds and this kind of thing, but that's bull. Years ago, we had heaps of people at games all the time. We've got a fantastic, passionate fan base here on the coast, and uh, it can only grow back to what it is as we get better on the pitch like we were last year. We saw what it was like in the finals with 11,000, 12,000 there, and um, we can return to those halcyon days you mentioned, Michael. The halcyon days, I remember, and I used to go with my sons to watch the soccer. <coughs> I used to sit, I used to love sitting behind the goalpost near the Yellow Army. Now, I know that Yellow Army has sort of <laughs> dwindled a little bit. Will we, will we ever see them back to the force they were? Absolutely. Those days are some of the greatest days of my life. We, the, the winning of the grand final, of course, oh, it wasn't mate. at home. But the night that um, we came back from 2-0 down in Newcastle and 1-3-0, Sasha Petrovsky throwing the shirt off at the end there. These are, these are the times for the Central Coast. And, yeah, it'll be great to get back to that. So hopefully Monty can drag us there. Yeah, let's go to Chris. Uh, Chris, what does the club mean to you, the Central Coast Mariners? Um, it means it's like a, it means to me like a community club. So it gives people opportunity, not only just for players, but also for volunteers as well. Because obviously I'm a volunteer and I've been a volunteer for the last few years of the club. Obviously, a few years ago, I won the Volunteer of the Year Award for the, at the, for the club as well. So it's... Yeah. Um, Thank you. There we go. Yeah, no, there it's, we go. Um, it's, um, a gr- it's a great honour to be able to just get that community feeling and being a part of the a volunteers, it's, which is similar to the playing group, very tight-knit. And, yeah, just it's just a great community feel around the club. And it's fantastic to be able to be part of the team. Yeah, great answer, Chris. Well done, mate. And uh, I can see why you're Volunteer of the Year. And finally, Phil, uh, I know your heart and soul, you, you know. Uh, what does the yeah. club mean to you? Well, I grew up rugby league fan, not so much a soccer fan, but when the Mariners came along, it wasn't a, a switch to, it was both now, and uh, especially I think the big thing is um, that the Mariners is the only professional sports team the Central Coast has, yep. national team, and uh, that's, um, yeah, when they came along, I've got a, a, a huge, bigger interest in football, soccer football generally. Um, still love my rugby league. I'm a Roosters uh, supporter and and member, uh, so and have been for many years. But yeah, sorry, Mick. Yeah, for the, oh, for the no. first time on this show, I think that deserves a boo. He's a, no, he's a, a Roosters fan. Sydney's, yeah, Sydney's yeah. Roosters fan. And don't forget, Phil's also an official, a match official. So yeah, yeah got into referee, referee and linesman. When my kids um, got, became 14 years old, I wanted to do it, so I went along with them yeah. and uh, yeah and. 
been refereeing ever since. Uh, yeah, really been getting into the game and, and loving it. Yeah, the hey, world game. Yeah. Final word goes to the bald badger, Mick Morley, who wants to say something about uh, the Mariners and what it means to him. And then we're straight off to the news. Yeah, a, a little bit of an insight, obviously, you know, from my, my background with the um, with Central Coast and, and my father being a foundation member of, of the entrance and having football in our blood. Um, you know, when when I when we grew up and and uh, the NSL, I mean, we were Newcastle supporters. I mean, we used to go and watch KB United. We used to go up there every Friday. They used to normally play at Birmingham Garden. So, you know, it, it was all strange when when all of a sudden we've got an A League team on the Central Coast, and I, I still had my allegiance with Newcastle because uh, we were a major sponsor there at one stage. And to have this have a have a national team on the Central Coast, I don't think people realise how important that is and how big a deal it is. Mm. It's it's something that. You know, a lot of a lot of places haven't got for and for a for for what the you know, Sean Millercamp's done here. He, you know, we've had our bad times and our good times, but Sean's always been accountable. He's always stood up and stood there and copped it if it needed to be copped and um, moved on. So I think um, bigger and better things. And just one thing on Nick Montgomery. If you don't think you're going to get 100 percent out of those players with Nick Montgomery steering around, mate, we're, we're joking because I've, I've watched him on uh, I've watched him on uh, on uh, Derby Day. And, mate, there's fire in those eyes, I can tell you now. So yeah. I think we've really yeah, he's, You know, the thing about Nick Montgomery, his expectations are high. <laughs> and he's got no problems letting you know as a player what what your expectations are. And if you're letting the team down, he'll quickly pull you in the line. Uh, as, as you know, sorry, as you know, Butes, um, I, I spent a little bit of time with Nick. Um, he is the ultimate professional. As you know, you've been there. He, he is what you would know and, and, and regard as the ultimate professional. Yeah. Um, he lives and breathes it. He uh, and, and 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 it's what he says is what he'll do, you know. So I'd love to see him still in the park. He reckons he could be out there. So yeah, we uh, we're horribly late for the news. We yep. we need to go. Uh, but here's a testament to Nick Montgomery's character. When we got here yesterday for MBN TV, uh, it was just after 8 a.m. It was a little foggy and frosty on this uh, warm-up pitch. Monty was here watching the academy sides, so he's about to make his senior A-League debut but he was watching the development of the club, the grassroots of the club, that are about to make their way to the first team at some point. Yep. This is Saturdays on the Coast. Guys, you were all fantastic. Well and done, you can, boys. You can hear it on the Catch Up podcast, which is available on the SEN app a little bit later on today. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, the, uh, the boys are live from the Central Coast Mariners Family Day out there here on Saturdays on the Coast. This, of course, is SEN Track 801 Gosford. It is nice to have your company. And uh, we're going to be talking about cricket shortly because, obviously, uh, the Aussies had a great win in the T20 World Cup. It put them in good stead ahead of the Ashes. But, of course, uh, the situation with Tim Bain having to resign as the team captain isn't going to be helpful for them. But let's have a listen to the final moments of that T20 World Cup final where Australia got the chocolates over New Zealand. Southie to Maxwell. That's shorter and that's straighter at the body. There Maxwell takes on the man at deep backwards square leg. And Maxwell beats the man at deep backwards square six. Southie in. Bowls to Maxwell. Reverse oh. for the boundary. Look at him go. Australia wins its first T20 World <laughs> Cup. Mitch Marsh is on a lap of honour. <laughs> he's thrown away the helmet, tossed the bat, and he's running around madly in Dubai. A chase of brute force. 
and a team that wasn't rated coming in will lift Sorry, the Mike. trophy and be the source of tremendous national pride. Australia win by eight wickets. Oh, and wouldn't you know it, Glenn Maxwell did it with a reverse. Let's head back out to the boys now. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, take it away. Just heard the highlights of the T20 World Cup with the Aussies getting the win over New Zealand. Yeah, and what a win it was. Uh, Jared Waitley, uh, yeah, great call from him. One of the best in the business. And after 14 years, Butes, they get the job done. I was lucky enough to see Kerry O'Keefe on the back page on yep. uh, Fox Sports. And uh, he had some great insight, apart from being hilarious, the skull. But he said 30 of 32 sixes were hit in the semi-final and also the final. They were all over the leg side. Mitch Marsh coming in at number three. Whoever came up with that was an absolute genius. Six off his first ball. I know you watched all the highlights, but I know you're a huge cricket fan. Uh, six off his first ball, 77 off 50. Yeah, Abs he, he went 6-4-4. He was 14 runs off three balls. So he laid his intentions right from the start. And like he'd done, you know, in a couple of other games throughout the uh, tournament, he just, you know what, I think we spoke to Burko about this last week uh, in relation to the quality of play that they had in various positions. And the, the strength of their batting lineup is ridiculous. The fact that you can win a final, and you said this earlier, Steve, without um, Steve Smith batting, and without Matthew Wade batting. And Marcus Stoinis. And Marcus Stoinis. Like, it gives you an idea of where they're at, the Aussies. You know, a great performance from Dave Warner. And I guess he obviously uh, put a lot of the critics to rest in relation to his performance throughout that tournament. 289 runs, player of the tournament. What more could he do? Hey, uh, the captain of the entrance, uh, premiership winning team is on the line, Jeff Hemming. Good morning, mate. Thanks for your time. Hey, Steve. How are you? Yeah, well, well, mate, uh, we're just talking about the T20 win for the Aussies. And, you know, we're ranked seventh coming into this tournament. I think you might have sent me a text saying that the Aussies would struggle. And what an incredible performance. Can you give me your thoughts, first of all, on Josh Hazelwood? Three for 16 off four. We know it's a format where bowlers just get absolutely yeah. hammered. But those numbers, again, three for 16 off four in the final. Amazing, wasn't it? Given, yeah, it's seven um, um the Asian wickets that are low and slow as well too. You, you expect the spinners to really, uh, really be the game changers, and for Hazelwood just to show just absolute class. And you know, I think I just said you're saying too there about Davey Warner and Stoinis and that. Like, yeah, that that just shows how uh, elite those guys are to be able to perform on those wickets being brought up on fast, hard wickets to then do what they did there as well was just amazing. Hey, Hemo, can you stay with us? Uh, we're, we desperately need to go to a break here. We're running slightly yeah, behind I... time. Uh, also want to find out about the T20 that started on the Central Coast this week, mm. your team in action, and also the start of the Central Coast cricket season. We're off to a break, but before we do, Adam's got an Ashes question for you, Buttes. Oh, what do you got for me, Adam? Yeah, Butes, uh, I looked at the, the team that was named for the Ashes, and I don't have a huge problem with it, but, but my question to you is why um, not Matt Wade or Mitchell Marsh? They were instrumental in the T20, and I know it's a different form of the game, but they, they won us the World Cup, essentially, both those guys. So how is there no room for either Matt Wade or Mitchell Marsh in that Ashes squad? Yeah, I hear you there. I think Matthew Wade obviously had his 
uh, chances last year and, and probably struggled a little bit. Mitch Marsh has been up and down uh, with his form, but clearly his form at the moment. I, I think they've got a, uh, you know, the format indicates that they are just so conscious about not just blending them all into one. So I think from that end, I, I have no doubt both of those guys will get their opportunities throughout the series. Uh, I think they've just got to prove themselves at uh, Sheffield Shield level first to ensure they're getting the uh, to maintain yeah, that form. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I actually, you know, after seeing Kerry O'Keefe, there was talk from him that he thinks that uh, Mitch Marsh might come in at six. You need a swashbuckler down the order. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And we'll also ask Hemo when we come back. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We're live from the Mariners Family Day at the Tugra Centre of Excellence. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. And thanks again to our major partners, of course, Robson Civil Projects. What a legendary business for three generations yeah. on the coast. And, uh, and, of course, our team out at BJ Howes Meadowland. How good are they? Yeah, and, you know, we mentioned earlier about Dave Rich, the man who's been there for 35 years. Wow, 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 wow. Phenomenal. And their biggest point of difference, of course, they stock uh, everything to do with welding. So right now they have the perfect handyman DIY kit. It's a Unimig Viper 120 pack. Do you understand any, any of that, Buttes? Mm, Unimig Viper yes. 120 pack. What I do know about it, it's the best in the business. That's yeah. what I know. Welder, welding helmet, gloves, <laughs> wire, starter kit, over $500 worth of gear for only $395 at our, at our great partner, BJ Howes Meadowland. I, I think we're going to the north end of the coast. We might be off to Charm Haven oh. at BJ Howes before Christmas. Is that right? Okay. Hey, Butes, uh, can you paint a picture for our oh. listeners what's unfolding right in front of us? Well, it's a hive of activity. Like it's, the numbers have grown again. <laughs> like It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The, the, the girls are still out there. In fact, it looks like there's a, a younger group of girls out there now that are training, which is great to see. But, uh, again, the hype around this... Uh, family day is outstanding. You can hear in the background the noise, the buzz. It's all there. And you can smell it now too. Uh, smell it, the, the barbecue. And it looks like Lara Coffee has just rocked up with Steve-O, yeah. uh, the cameraman. And uh, she'll be covering all things the Mariners. There she is. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Outstanding young journalist has just arrived. Oh. We were hoping for Nick Montgomery, but I believe the uh, senior team, they're in a video session mm. at the moment. So they did some set pieces. We're being told he might arrive, but we're starting to run short of time. Yep. A couple of local sports that I just want to talk about quickly. Lauren Smith, young lady from the peninsula, from Umina, played her 100th WBBL match the other night for the Sydney Thunder. Wow. Don't forget, she's a young girl that's won two premierships with the Sydney Sixers and also with the Sydney Thunder. You, you know what I find hard to believe? Like they've played a, the, the ability to play 100 games already. It doesn't seem like the well, competition has been around long enough. It's WBBL 7. Yeah, so like that's amazing. That was a game that saw her team lose by four runs, but it saw one of the greatest knocks in WBBL history. Mundana, 114 off 64 buttes. Wow. 14 fours, three sixes. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they lose the game. Uh, shout out to Jaden Hodgson, a local basketball player. He played for the Sydney Kings in the NBL Blitz during the week. He's playing for a contract, but uh, did plenty of good work at point guard. 
And tonight, double header in the NBL Blitz. So New Zealand up against South East Melbourne and Melbourne versus Illawarra in the double header. Shout out as well, Buttes, to Ray Anderson. And Ray is off mm. to the World Championships in snow skiing and could be at the uh, Winter Paralympic Games. Yeah, in- how exciting is that? Ray's uh, a fantastic athlete. We've had a fair bit to do with her because of the Nuneka Clark Foundation. But, uh, yeah, wish her all the best. And, of course, our, our mate Matty Graham, who's working hard. Uh, with the Winter Olympics coming up. So plenty of things going on, Steve, in local sport. Hey, we're in the last couple of minutes of our show, and it looks like we've got Gabby Blanche to join us. Uh, Gabby, grab the microphone and jump in, and uh, congratulations on what's unfolded today, and great to see where women's football is at. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a good turnout today, and lots of kids out there playing um, small-sided games. It's good to see what we've got coming up in the future. Yeah, we spoke a lot about you personally, but uh, for our listeners who may have missed that earlier, can you tell us your story in football? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a local for the coast. I've been born and bred here, uh, so I've grown up in the junior ranks and uh, now playing representative football for about over 20 years. Uh, and now I'm moving into a coaching uh, role with alongside Pete. Yeah, so, congr- congratulations yeah. on that appointment. And you Thank must you. be so excited that we've got an A-League women's franchise next year. Absolutely, yeah. It's super exciting. It's something we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, and so to know that um, to know that it's on the way and for the fact that we've got all of the youth coming through that we've been working on for so many years in our youth academy... Um, is really awesome to see. It'll be exciting to see those girls come through and play, hopefully, in the A-League. Speaking about the youth, and, you know, we saw the young girls out there trying, training hard. How do you see your role? Obviously, being the, the more experienced person there, uh, that leadership role is pretty important, not only what you're doing on the field, but also off the field. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, key is, is obviously showing up and, and doing what I expect the girls to do. I never ask them to do something that I won't do myself um, and doing it to the, my full potential. Um, and then, you know, building on that is, is knowing that these girls have come from a different era. I haven't been coached the way that these girls have been coached. And so knowing that they can definitely get to that next level that I, I haven't been able to get to. Is this the greatest moment? I don't want to undersell this. Is it the greatest moment in women's football history on the coast? The fact we've got an A-League franchise? Uh, abso- for me personally, absolutely. It's something that I've just been waiting for for so long. And, and to know that the pathways are there now for the girls that are here today playing as 10-year-olds... Um, and for the girls that are here in our academy already as 15-year-olds to know that they can get there is, is awesome. Gabby, who deserves credit? Uh, because, you know, it takes an entire team, uh, you know, probably hundreds of people involved, but who's the core group? Absolutely. Look, I know, um, you know, there's people that have come and gone and, and have paid a lot of respects to our academy program. Um, so getting th- those players ready for where we will be at the end of next year. Um, and then the behind the scenes. So obviously Sean and Ken um, giving us the backing and the resourcing that we need to get there. Um, and obviously all the coaching staff that have been here um, from day one and, and some have, have moved on and, and the ones that have stuck around are really doing the hard yards for us. Gabby, what are your expectations going into the season? Obviously it's all new and you know everybody's excited, but I dare say your expectations are pretty high. Huge. We have set the bar high. It's very different. The environment is very different straight away. Um, Pete Preston has come in and and made a lot of changes and the expectations are high and and we can see that now. And I think going into the season, knowing that we're going to be fully fit um, and and knowing that everyone has the opportunity to play first grade is... um, is, is awesome. What are, you touched on earlier some of the differences that you, when you were coming through in, in terms of coaching and the, you know, the opportunities they have now. Can you talk us through some of those differences? 
Yeah, I guess when I was growing up, there wasn't so much strategy around the way that we were coached. It was um, probably a lot less structure around the education that the coaches had. Um, and so now knowing that there are expectations around the coaching education, for example, um, the way that we coach the girls, I personally coach the whole player. It's not just about the football and the feet. It's about the whole person and um, and where they're coming from and what they're doing outside of football mm. and making sure, therefore, that they're comfortable on the pitch um, from, a, from a whole person hey, perspective. Hey, uh, Gabby, unfortunately, we've got to wrap this up. Uh, we could keep chatting to you for ages. If you could give us one name, we can't get Sam Kerr, can't get <laughs> Ellie Carpenter, can't get Mary Fowler. Who can we get? Or... Look, I, I know that Kyra Cooney, Cooney Cross's sister is in our academy and uh, it would be awesome to see her come yeah. and join our academy. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks thank to our you. entire team. Thanks to the Mariners for having us. We'll catch you next week, Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.